Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. to this episode of That's What She Said. Welcome to 2018. I'm totally recording this in 2017. (laughs) But welcome, 2018. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. And this is uh, Vulnerability 101, How to Stop Hiding Your Work and Be Seen by All the People Who Matter. Because people say nice things about me all the time and they tell me that I'm brave all the time and they say thank you for being vulnerable all the time but the problem is that I've been doing what I've been doing for a long time now and if you just see the end result of nine years of getting more and more and more and more and more vulnerable on the internet you might be tempted to think that it's just always been this way for me that one day I woke up and I was like my life is on the internet And the truth is that it took a lot of years and a lot of time to get to the place where I'm able to be as vulnerable as I am. So this is a specific request from someone who bought dominatrixing quite some time ago. I always ask in the questionnaire, if I could make a class just for you, what would it be called? And uh, she said it would be called Vulnerability 101, How to Stop Hiding Your Work and Be Seen by All the People Who Matter. Here you go. When I talk with my people about being a little bit more vulnerable in business or in life, it doesn't matter, they freak out. And that's because they imagine a world in which every secret they have ever had, going back to second grade, the secret thing you kept in your desk, every secret they've ever had is laid bare. And then not only is it laid bare, it's featured on a reality TV show. And that TV show is beamed into every house on the planet. And it's also just as a bonus shot in like 4K HD so that every pore on their face has its own character name and storyline. That's how horrifying vulnerability is. 
And I can totally see how that's valid because it's terrifying to look at someone who's doing vulnerability well and to not account for how long have they been doing that and in what capacity and with what practice and what are they sharing. So this is my attempt to go all the way back and say you don't have to start with sending the most vulnerable thing you can imagine to thousands of people on an email list. That's a skill that comes along a long time later. You can start with vulnerability being a practice. So you can first say, I'm willing to try this. And then I'm going to instantly assure you that vulnerability does not have to happen all at once. You do not have to go from being a master of mystique to spilling your secrets in one fell swoop. In fact, it would probably be alarming if you did that. Often, particularly for people that have websites or brands, the first steps into vulnerability are going to look like having your face on your website. Your face in a headshot without your partner, your kids, your dog, your tools of the trade, and or your cats. Just you is actually a rather rare thing to see on a website. When you add your full name, your location on the planet, and your phone number or email address so that people can actually contact you, you're about 30% more vulnerable than you were at the beginning of this podcast. Just the ability to say, this is what I look like without hiding behind anything. This is where I live. This is how you can reach me. This is what I do. Those are all powerful in and of themselves. When you're even a shade more visible, even that much, just not having a camera in front of your face or being shot from a long distance near some paint, just you in front of a camera, uh, you're going to be tempted to retreat and to stop making the work that's calling to your spirit at this moment. Because if you're one of my peeps, you're probably riding your own edge. And if you're riding your own edge, there's always going to be a vulnerability there. And somehow it's okay if you're like, well, nobody, I put this on the internet, but nobody knows about this website. So it's okay. So and if somebody knows about it, then you're naturally going to want to pull back. So please don't give in to the temptation to stop making, doing, or calling rad stuff into being. Don't let your best ideas live in your head as ideas. Instead, you can make the work even if you don't show it to anyone. Or you show it to one or two people and it never lives online. No one else ever knows. That's fine. I write poems that no one sees all the time. The willingness to be vulnerable with yourself, with your own feelings, desires, insecurities, fears, and demons is the only way to be comfortable sharing any of your vulnerable bits with anyone else ever. In other words, don't self-censor. Even if you only make stuff that eventually lives in a closet or a drawer or under a bed, you are much further along than those people who let their best and brightest and most vital work live only in their minds never to see the light of day. This step is impossible to view from the outside. No one can hold you accountable for it. No one else can possibly know that you're doing it. So I can only say it here and hope you hear me. Don't self-censor. Don't self-censor. Don't self-censor. Don't self-censor. Let it out. Burn it afterward if you have to, but let it out. There is a freeing that can only happen when you let the work that wants to move through you actually move through you instead of holding it back. The parts of yourself that you are most afraid to show to others are often going to be the parts that are embraced with the most love. 
I started writing about my struggles uh, with depression in 2013. So we're talking five years ago. And I was certain five years ago that somehow the world would shatter and people would stop hiring me and I would be fending off flaming bags of dog turds for writing that article. I was sure that somehow people were going to be like, she has depression, ergo, she knows nothing. Like my depression would cancel out every single thing that I have ever known or learned or done or achieved or every way that I could possibly be helpful to people would be completely eliminated because I struggle with depression. Instead, people wrote really kind notes. They sent me emails and letters and they hug me upon meeting me and they come to see me and talk with me and they come to my workshops um, and it's because of that, 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 that deep willingness to be like, Hey, I don't see a whole lot of people talking about this. So I'm going to talk about this. The deep willingness to be vulnerable and to go first matters. And that first article didn't quote unquote do anything either. Just for the record, it wasn't particularly useful. It did not end with 84 steps to end your depression forever. It wasn't an advertisement for a miracle cure. It just acknowledged my ongoing struggles with mental illness and let my peeps know that I was still alive and still fighting. Please remember that when you're tempted to believe you're not being quote unquote useful enough or that your story doesn't matter or that if you're not solving the problem, there's no need to talk about the problem. That's not true. Simply acknowledging that, hey, this is a thing I struggle with means that other people can feel that they are not alone because I guarantee they are struggling with it too. And then of course you can unfold by degrees. Every relationship begins as two strangers meeting and trust deepens over time. From that first article with depression, it took years for me to go deeper into this is where it came from and this is how I'm working on it now. This is the working theory of how I'm keeping it at bay. Um, this is how I'm broken. This is why I'm magic. Magic often feels like broken. It kept going from there, like coming out of the spiritual closet, which is the podcast right before this one was the most like, it's a vulnerability high point. And so, um, you can hear that in the fact that I'm making myself cry, that I am actively saying my asshole brain is screaming to stop doing this. That's unfolding by degrees. That's me pushing it. And then in this case, I'm pulling back a bit to be like, here's the overview of vulnerability over time for me. And here's how you can step into it right now. This year slash 2017, last year, <laughs> I've answered questions in interviews that would have broken me to answer five years ago. And now I can just take a deep breath and tell the truth. Like if you want to Google it, uh, the Real Talk Radio I did interview I did with uh, Nick Antoinette, or if you just go to kristenkelp.com slash interviews, that one, there were some questions in there that I would have been completely unable to answer five years ago without just breaking down crying. And now I'm like, okay, well, you can probably hear me take a deep breath and there we go. So it isn't, it isn't that it's not vulnerable. It's that it's a muscle that you work and I'm really good at it. I'm really good at being vulnerable. And so like if, if there was a vulnerability gym, I would be a fairly buff dude there. Like the dude that's like in the mirror, like taking gym selfies. That would be me at the vulnerability gym. Sadly, that is not a real place. So you're just going to have to imagine that in your mind. <laughs>
Okay, so the other thing that's really important to keep in mind is that you don't have to share your experiences in the present. It took me a full year to talk about my divorce anywhere in any capacity. There was a there was a point of like, I'm done with this, I want a divorce. I did not speak of that publicly for over a year because it was not something that I could talk about without adding like heat to it or like stabbiness to it. And I didn't want to do that. It took two years for me to admit the full cost of having hosted Brandcamp publicly, which if you'll recall, was the magnificent year in which I had this wonderful event called Brandcamp. And simultaneously, I lost $43,000, which is basically just more than my salary when I started teaching, more than 150% of my salary when I started teaching with my degree. So that was a huge amount of money to me. And um, yeah, I didn't talk about that for two years. I didn't even look at the photos from Camp for two years. They were too painful. So you're allowed to take your time. I had depression for more than a decade before I talked about it with anyone other than my doctor and my best friend. Vulnerability means, in the words of either Brene Brown or Glennon Doyle, in a class they taught that's no longer available, writing from our scars, not our wounds. You don't have to share your gaping wounds, but you can write or sew or dance or make or leap or film or photograph your way through them. You can take notes to use as fodder. You can keep an open list of this will be funny someday vignettes on your computer. Believe me, you will think they can never be funny. They will become funny. You can move through a tragedy of any kind knowing that someday, somehow this is going to be a scar. And you can tell stories and make work from your scars. Always. There's no rush on a wound turning into a scar. Just pick a different scar to talk about for a while. That's fine. Further, and particularly for my super sensitive people, um, you don't have to accept feedback. When you're making work or you're putting it into the world, you are not required to ask for or to accept feedback of any kind. You can have teachers and mentors or not. You can keep a handful of trusted advisors close to you or not. You are in no way, not once, not ever required to hear the feedbacks, the feedback of critics or of total strangers. This especially applies to completely subjective work of all kinds. Your watercolors are too smudgy. Who the fuck cares? Your poems are too complicated, too accessible, too modern, too traditional, too rhymy, too unrhymy. Write them anyway. You're too loud, too soft, too dumpy, too big, too small, too timid, too brash. Yup. And you are not required to respond to that, to give it the time of day, or to act as if just because someone said it, it's true. That's not a thing that happens. Just because someone says something, it is not true. It's just something someone said. The minute you let someone else's opinions matter more than your own internal barometer, your work gets diluted. Are you pushing your own limits? Do you stand beside what you've made? Would your past self be proud of what you've created? The answers to those questions are far more important than whether someone somewhere on the internet approves. Personally, because I figured you would ask, 
just because you're you, <laughs> I've got three people I trust to look stuff over and tell me where or if it's falling down. Uh, I run harsh critique that comes my way through those same three people to see if it's valid or if it's just trolling or somewhere in between. I ask my clients for feedback once they've finished working with me, and I address any of their concerns one-on-one. -on -one. So this is not to say that I don't accept feedback, only that you are not required to accept it at any point. I've found what works for me, you find what works for you. If you give other people's opinions way more credence than your own inner voice, it can be really helpful to say, I don't have to listen to this. Sometimes work is better when it's yours and only yours. And too often we give other people's opinions way more sway than our own, than our own at some really delicate point when the aliveness of the whole project hangs in the balance. So if you still manage to birth the project, but it's not as alive as it could have been, I don't think that's as good as if you're like, ah, it's got some raw edges, but it's got this wild, raw aliveness to it as well. I would much rather see that. I'm the person who listens to the unedited versions of podcasts. I like the humanity. And generally, people are going to give you feedback that strikes the humanity from the project. So let the humanity in, please. Be willing to be imperfect. It's okay. When it comes to bringing your work to the public, start with a sure thing. I sell every single book, program, product, class, who's it, what's it, thingamabob that I make to a sure thing, a sure thing being a human, before I release it to the general public. I make a thing, I ask one of my favorite people to buy it, knowing that that person will say yes because I made it for them. This takes away the vulnerability of like, oh God, what if I don't sell any of that thing? And it frees me up to release my work into the world with less stress about how it's gonna perform financially. And also that thing where you're like, I'm not going to sell any, I'm going to sell zero, zero, because introverts, no one's ever going to come to my party. No one's ever going to show up to my workshops. And of course, no one's ever going to buy anything that I sell. That's just standard asshole brain. So you can overcome that. If you want to sell a new thing, start by hitting up the people who told you to make that thing in the first place. Usually, especially for women if you're making something, there are 10 to 14 people who have asked you to make that thing before you begin to make it. So ask the people who asked you to then buy it. If they've bothered you to teach yoga and you've got classes on the calendar, ask them to come. They've been hounding you to paint and you just finished a bunch of pieces, ask them to buy. Ask, ask, ask. And unfortunately, asking is always vulnerable. It's somehow easier to take on a task if you know it's difficult. So this is me telling you that you're not broken or weird if you find asking for help or asking for a sale to be incredibly challenging. The good news is that it gets easier with time and practice. Where once I felt like I was going to puke every time a person emailed to ask about hiring me. And back in the day, hiring me to work for months on end was under $200. Uh, I can now report that I feel only a brief wibbliness in my belly before I answer the message and sign them up if they're appropriate for whatever they're asking about. Finally, there are laws, there are rules, and there are opinions. Distinguish between, and there are opinions. I think I forgot the O. There are opinions. There are laws, there are rules, there are opinions. Distinguish between the three carefully. Because as you become more visible, visible and more vulnerable, people are going to take it upon themselves to give you advice and to quote unquote, look out for you in many ways. 
Someone once told me that calling myself an orphan hugger was one, the most offensive thing she'd ever seen, and two, made me look hopelessly naive. That's a quote, hopelessly naive. I had just spent months in other countries literally hugging orphans, <laughs> and I just thought that I was being accurate. Other opinions. People have told me how inappropriate it was for me to mention the shaving of legs. I'm supporting the patriarchy. Uh, for how completely wrong it was for me to take products off the market. How dare you not take my money? Uh, and the ways that my use of strong language is offensive, which at this point just makes me yawn. They have sent me long, long lists of reasons they are unsubscribing, and also very brief ones with lots of, lots of exclamation points. Uh, and I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm still in the vulnerability gym, lifting my weights. I'm still doing my best to avoid self-censoring. I'm still taking a stand for the introverts, those called to the depths, and those who are sensitive as fuck and learning to live with it. I'm still helping creative humans do their big, important, magnificent, brutal, difficult, lovely work in the world. I'm still writing too. So wherever you are in the vulnerability gym, if you've just arrived and haven't yet picked up any weights, or if you're like, I'm doing a few hundred pounds a day, awesome. Keep going. You don't have to do it all at once. It's a practice. May you be unafraid to enter the vulnerability gym. May you lift heavier and heavier weights all the time. May you be able to discern between opinions, rules, and laws, and really only pay attention to the laws. <laughs> may you go deeper into your own story, into your own scars, and into your own wounds, and may you find your best, deepest, most rewarding work and life-giving bits there. And may you have the very best, brightest, most awesome 2018 imaginable. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. For listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly scream sobbing in a private place between tasks let's not do that let's try something different this is a really simple format one gathering a month on the first tuesday of the month until the 2024 election so we're practicing the skills that we will need 
in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.